I expected it to be dark outside that night. I sat and looked up at the full moon. I had so many thoughts running through my head. My world was crashing around me very fast. I could see my dreams of being a full-time musician coming to a screeching halt. Why don't you let me love you? My thoughts betray me. Isn't that how it feels? That's just I mean, amazing. Well, that, well, that's that's one of the first things I wrote. Well, I think that's page one. Yeah, that's one of the first things I wrote. I mean, that was back in the, oh my gosh. I was probably, I don't know, um, 19, maybe. Is this 20, maybe? Is this something that you wrote right after the Chili Peppers audition? Uh-huh. Wow. Yep. But, wow. Yeah. Sometimes those life decisions, uh, yeah, put you on a whole <laughs> new path whatsoever. <laughs> Hey yo, this is Greenskin Mango. Welcome everyone to the Gamango Show. I'm Gordon Meyer, chatting with you from Hong Kong. And I'm John Witcher, coming to you from the crossroads of America. Each episode, we'll be discussing creativity and life. We'll be drawing from our 30 years of collaborating together in so many creative endeavors, successes, failures, our influences, and our current inspirations. So let's get going with the Gamango Show. That is from John's amazing book, My Journey to MBA. Just a little bit of a touch there of some of the amazing writing that John does. And we'll be talking more about that in this episode. When we talk about being creative and we talk about all the things that you can do creatively, it's not just painting. It's not just drawing. It's not just sculpting. It's not just making music. It's also about writing. And John's a professional writer. He's written many books, screenplays, and curious how he got started on this path of being an author. 2004, I decided to go back to school. I actually went back for business, but in my prerequisites, and when I was in these English classes, I started getting these creative writing assignments. And I did a couple of these creative writing assignments, and I saw that I just absolutely loved to do it. So one of the assignments, which was actually my first book, is just a really short stage play called Storm in Paradise. It was a really fun project, you know, just kind of get my feet wet. The book cover is actually a, a cubistic painting that Gordon did of me uh, years ago when he was in art school. So really cool, really cool cover on it. <laughs> It's one of the best covers I've seen on a book. <laughs> it is really cool. It really is pretty, pretty wild. But at the time, I was struggling really hard with transitioning. I had lost a lot of, of my friends and didn't have a lot really going on in my life. I just basically worked all the time. And my getaway was I would create these universes, you know, this superhero kingdom that was going on with all these different characters. And it really just kind of took me away to a place that, that felt happy when there was not a lot of happiness there. Very therapeutic for me, very fun to do. I started just doing uh, small bits of creative writing kind of in the superhero vein. Mm -hmm. What was really wild, which I hadn't really thought about is, you know, you design this super team in these books that you're writing. And um, did you realize only one of them is male? The, the rest of them are female, which had never really occurred to me. I didn't do it intentionally, but they're just for these really common students 
A lot of them are like science majors, uh, anthropology. I really had a, a, a big interest in anthropology. At one point in, in time, I thought I would, I might do that, but, but it's just really wild, uh, you know, just to see these, these, uh, these students that are just going back to school or starting to go back to school and they discover this artifact um, it gets struck by lightning and it gives them powers and i call it the danger club series but, but truthfully it's it's made up of phantom's revenge dragon of souls and tomb of dawi you mentioned this before with uh, storm in paradise when you first started writing i remember you had me read this and i was really surprised because you started out by writing screenplays basically like this was a this was not a story that i expected for creative writing it was basically a screenplay. Is it the process of writing screenplays that attracted you um, or that made you feel like you were really in the story or? So a friend of mine connected me to inktip.com that, that worked with screenplays. And I just found that a lot of times it would be easier to get people to use my material in different mediums um, when they were in screenplay format. I have stuff in book format, you know, just, just paragraph format. I have stuff in stage play format. And I have stuff in screenplay format. When I wrote Storm in Paradise, there's a guy named James Tucker who read that story on Inktip and uh, hired me to write a screenplay called Last Cigarette that hmm. uh, he produced. So it seemed to be a little easier to sell screenplays than just it was to sell books, to be honest with you. There, there mm -hmm. just seemed to be a much bigger market for it. So that kind of led, yeah, to, to more of the screenwriting than, than, you know, just strictly paragraph kind of stuff. So it's pretty amazing, though, that you adapted so quickly in your writing style to sell these as scripts rather than writing them just for your own creative need, your creative yet it is for your creative need. I, and that's the thing that always amazed me is that I'd see these and it was these polished scripts where I'd never really seen a story like the way that I would have written a story, like line for line for line and lots of run-ons and things like that. But but yeah, it, it was really strange to me whenever you'd send me a story to read, to proof, and I'd be like, how have you written this all out as a script without having sort of a story first? I was really amazed at just the process of doing it, plus how well that you actually wrote these scripts. You were able to describe the people and the place, their environment so well in just the script that it made me long a little bit for an actual sort of story in a traditional sense. But at the same time, I was getting that. And so it, it didn't really feel like uh, I was losing anything. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah, it's better to have too much information about what's going on in the scene than not enough information. So hmm. um, I've had feedback from, from a lot of different people. Um, you know, there, there was a much bigger market for screenplay, but One of the things that was really, really exciting for me was I met Josa Mall at the Montreal School of Performing Arts. So she contacted me over the summer of 2020 and she was like, you know, I've got a lot of students and um, we're wanting to continue working toward their acting careers. And it looks like we're going to have to do a lot of stuff virtually. And um, I was looking at some of your material on Inktip, and I was curious if you would mind if we would use some of your material uh, in classes. And I was absolutely cool. thrilled, my gosh. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. They've had some really big movies come out of there. Some really incredible folks that have gone through that program. And it was just really neat to, you know, just to kind of work with her and get feedback from her. Hopefully in the future, 
uh, you know, we can we can work more together, but just a very positive experience and definitely a learning experience for me too. That's fantastic to hear that, to take something new and something that you have no background with and work with that. That's pretty amazing. And I know the stories Absolutely. that you've, those stories that you've written are fantastic too, so. Thank you, well, I appreciate that. But yeah, and she did, she wanted something, you know, that they didn't necessarily know, you know, like right off the top of their head that they would have to plug way through. And yeah, it was, it was a really neat experience. I, I, she's, she's a super person and she's done so much for that program. And it's just, it's just, it was a really humbling experience, really neat. The start of Phantom's Revenge, you start with this character named Angela Allen, uh, who turns out to be Air Angel. And uh, the whole rest of the series shapes around just the different people she meets on campus. And Dragon of Souls is it's geared a lot more on um, martial arts. I have a black belt in Taekwondo. I took martial arts for years. And I, I use uh, a little bit of a martial arts theme in that one. And then the Tomb of Dawi is kind of brings together the anthropology part that's used in the in the Phantom's Revenge in the beginning, the, the finale of the of the series. So yeah, you need to check that out. It's it's pretty wild. A few years ago, you had the big book, the one that you'd been really working on for years and did really well on Amazon. And that book was My Journey to MBA. Can you talk a little bit about that? That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was kind of wild because it was my only book that ever was number one. In the mental health section of Amazon, it stayed at number one for all of December, which was pretty wild. I'd never had anything it's like amazing. that happen. I think I started writing it in like 1994, you know, when I had a lot of darkness all going on in my life with my disability and things. And I just kind of kept up with it over the years. I was struggling really hard. So a lot of it, yeah, is, is just kind of like, mm. but, but you know, it comes together. And so many people that read that book are like, John, I got to tell you, when I saw a title, My Journey to MBA, I had absolutely no idea it was going to be like this. I had no idea <laughs> it was about, you know, struggling with mental health. And, and they said, I expected it to be about, you know, just going off and going to school to get your MBA. Talking about this, this is great as it relates to the last episode about education and experience, but people I think believed it was a how-to, like how to achieve your MBA and a sort of step-by-step -step process. And like you Absolutely. said, they, they read it and they're surprised that it's actually like a journal of all these things that you had to go through with your mental health and all the challenges you faced in the years of work that you had to do in school and especially out of school to keep you going to get the MBA. It's all about these challenges and setbacks, but you keep going and keep going. It's that grit that you have to find success. It's not the easy win. And it was definitely, when I say a journey, it was a journey. Oh my For goodness. Sure. I mean, I dropped out of high school in 92 and then I, I went back in 93 and got my diploma, took my SAT and did horrible. So when I got back into school, I got back into school on academic probation, not having paid attention very much in school. I'm, you know, I'm spending just countless hours in the English and math lab and every minute of every day, if I was not working, I was in those labs. And then um, within my first semester, um, I was off academic probation and um, the the next semester I was on the honor roll. So the positivity that it sparked and, you know, the people I was meeting, you know, like we were talking about networking and 
Mm-hmm. And um, it was really cool. Uh, one of the other things that I'd like to mention too that I haven't uh, talked about is I did a lot of my schooling at uh, the University of Indianapolis. And I met some really great people. I did really well there. And I also, and then I transferred to Indiana Tech and um, I got into advanced English comp. And, and the, the English professor, she works with the Indiana Arts Commission. She had been a grant panelist for years. And I said, well, you know, I'd really, really love to do that. I've been a musician since, you know, since middle school and I've always wanted to do that and um, she got me the application and um, I put a resume and stuff together and I worked as a grant panelist in the art commission for a year which was absolutely I know this is off target a little bit you know it's a a little bit different than what we've been talking about but so many different things came out of maybe better my future or or, you know just you know just to learn new things and, and just get a whole different perspective on life That's what you have to do is you want to keep learning and want to keep challenging and you are always inquisitive. You're always questioning, how does this work or how could I be a part of this? And you've really shown how to do that in your way of learning. You had to basically relearn how to educate yourself, right? And I did. Absolutely. And it was something that you did on your own that you had to do on your own pretty much because there wasn't really anybody that can reteach you the learning experience. I mean, it's rote learning in a lot of ways, and it's not really experiencing literature, which you love. Um, it's not really experiencing a whole lot of things. And you had to really dive back into that pool of learning where you had to be absorbed into the work to actually learn from it, which to me yeah. is to me, that's real learning, right? Yeah. I, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I remember I was scared to death because I took this history class. The history teacher said, well, I'm going to tell you right now, um, there aren't going to be any tests. I'm going to be writing papers. I want to know exactly uh, what you think about things and why you think this way. You can say anything you want in these papers as long as you can put in stuff to back it up. I said, hmm. I, I, don't, I don't want your opinion. If I if you're going to give me an opinion, I, I want to I want some, you know, some feedback on why this happened. And we did things fall apart by Chinua Chi. Yes. Which is one a, of my yeah, favorite. Really, one of my favorite. Oh my, oh my gosh, I love that. We did a paper on that. I learned so much about writing in that class just because the thought process that they had, you know, that he made you put into it. I had never experienced anything like that. I had never thought like that in my life. I absolutely had to think for that class. One of the things I learned too when I was going to art school in the university was living in the library wasn't a bad thing at all. It was actually like became a new place for me to go and actually feel very welcome and became a voracious reader at that point. And I know you'd always been, uh, you know, you had your appetite for reading was off the charts even when you were in high school. And I think that was one of the things that you always told me disappointed you was that you weren't able to read enough while you were in high school. And and I would come over to your house, you know, you know, to pick you up, let's go, uh, let's go jam or something like that. And you'd be like reading the encyclopedias from cover to cover just because it was like learning and you weren't getting that your appetite for learning had not been fulfilled through. I think the thing that really got me going on that was I think in eighth grade, uh, my dad bought me the Steinbeck book and um, Mm. I, and it just kind of floored me. And I had the entire collection. I, after I read The Wayward Bus, which isn't one of his more well-known, it really just sparked you know, my interest in that. And it was really wild because 
people would always come over and they'd be like, you, you read John Steinbeck? You know, because I was, not, you know, not not to be stereotypical, but, you know, I had these tattoos and I had hair down to my waist and, you know, in the ripped jeans. And everybody was like, I never would have guessed in a million years that it would have been somebody that, that had the entire Steinbeck collection and Shakespeare, you know, and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. But, but yeah, you know, it's just a, a lot of times when, Things are, are just at, at a really stressful point, like I was telling you with with writing, you know, where you can just get away and you can be in a whole different dimension. Reading's the same way, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I I've been in, in, in situations where you know where uh, uh, when I first was getting back on my feet after uh, recovering from my disability, you know, there were times that. I, I would go the whole week without without seeing you know just about anybody. So you know, I, I read. I mean, like all the time. John, I remember reading "Growing with Albert," and can you tell me a little bit about that story? Yeah, "Growing with Albert" is a story about a kid that um, is born and raised in Florida, and his parents die in a car crash, and he moves to Indiana to live with his uncle Albert. The story goes over the course of his entire life living with Albert. A couple of years ago, a company approached me about uh, converting it into an actual short film. It's happened a couple of times since then. The thing that really uh, has been, uh, been a struggle with it is there's so much snow in it. So, <laughs> so, so there's corn in the Midwest and there's snow and there's just like all these different seasons in it. Truthfully, it's getting so hard to determine, you know, will we have enough winter you know, seasons with the corn and things to do this. The last company that approached me about it, I was so frustrated. I was like, hey, you know, I can write snow out of this thing if I have to. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, seriously. You know, on a limited budget, yeah, you want to go to a place that has snow and a place then that has corn. Well, if you're literally <laughs> talking about Indiana, uh, well, you don't last know. year, you- I don't know if there was any corn. And then when is it going to snow? Well, because of global warming, we aren't really sure if it's going to snow this year at all. Maybe, John, you want to think about writing your next story based in the desert. <laughs> Maybe I will. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> With all the music and lyrics that you've done over the years, John, is poetry a part of your writing practice? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I do a great deal of poetry. You're very connected to the classics, that's for sure. But is there anybody that's more contemporary that, that you look after or you just follow your own voice? Uh, mostly I just follow my own voice, truthfully. I, I do a lot of stuff about being stigma free, uh, you mm-hmm. know, just because of my background in, in mental health. Because my journey to MBA to me is very poetic in the way that you're writing in that. I mean, a lot of the things that you're writing as they may seem sort of out there or whatever become very poetic, especially in the very early stages of the book when, you know, you're much younger and you're kind of viewing life in a, in a different way altogether than you do now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A night and day difference in the way that I, I would think back then. Sure. I think there's a section in the book where I was sitting out in the backyard looking up at the full moon and just riding by the light of the moon back there i can't think of the last time that i have gone out you know on a full moon night and, and just written out under the stars just to write a little different process now yeah i think definitely for sure when you're younger and writing uh, creatively there is a romance that is to it and that also helps you understand feelings that you haven't experienced in a longer life much better I mean now that you're older 
you kind of are able to take these feelings and things that you gather and put them, you know, in that sort of compartment inside that says, use these feelings of experience for the next time I write about this or that, or, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to put it in my notebook as far as uh, something I could use later for a story that involves something like this you know that's that's the difference i think between when you're younger and older is is you need to get that experience of doing it and sometimes you have to for, have to force that experience through riding in the moonlight actually feeling the calm actually uh, understanding what it's like to be under the stars and feel that sort of isolation of being just one among millions and billions of stars at the same time also feeling like I'm part of that. I'm part of that universe. So the Danger Club series, what kind of age group is that appealing to? Uh, early teens, uh, more adults, or, or or where? what's yeah. what's the appeal of that? Mostly around early teen. Yeah, because the characters are in college, right? Yeah, they are, yep. Along with like this podcast, we always keep the, everything very PG rated anyway, at least PG 70s from when we grew up. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing in there. No foul language. It's it's, it's very family friendly. We're not like getting the boys or something, you know. A Storm of Paradise, maybe some adult content just because, you know, it's a love story coming of age. And the way it started is um, I was listening to Tiger Lily by Natalie Merchant. And there's Mm -hmm. a song called The Letter. And um, I was sitting there and I thought, how cool would it be to base a story around two people that fell in love and he sends a letter later on, you know, uh, uh, letting her know that he still thinks about her and things. And I thought, well, that'd be kind of a, a wild way to, to do a story. So um, I wrote uh, Storm of Paradise about a, a relationship where the, the guy moves to, to the, this town where this girl lives and, you know, they fall in love. And then um, she finds out that she has to move back to Florida and then once she moves back to Florida, she realizes that she's going to have a baby and the, the baby grows up. The, the mother ends up dying. The mother tells her before she dies about her father and they get in contact. And maybe I need to work on my titles because everybody tells me, you know, <laughs> I really didn't expect the story to, from Storm in Paradise to be this kind of story. But <laughs> to me, it sounds like a perfect title. Well, yeah. Well, her name is uh, Tessa Storm. So. Uh, that, that's what uh, and she moves to Florida so Storm in Paradise uh, yes great names too for your characters I mean Tessa Storm I mean that's yeah that's <laughs> I think one of the things I enjoy about your writing too John is there isn't a need to really go into any language or any sort of content in order to gain an audience because it's so honest and earnest and speaks from the heart and a lot of times you get a really good understanding of you the author from what you're reading and I think too it's like there's a part of me that when I read and because I know you and I know the challenges that you have um, in day-to-day life in writing some of these things that seem so quote normal or so um, maybe what the basic sort of things of life are how difficult just getting the basics and quote normal of life are in your life 
I get a lot of feedback from people that will say, you know, I relate to your characters really well. Even ones that are like superheroes are, are like actually just normal people. And when I create a character, I kind of dig into something that I really like. Um, that I could reflect from this character to make them seem a little more human, little idiosyncrasies that I have, you know, mm-hmm. um, that I like to, to put into these characters. Truthfully, when two teenagers are talking, it doesn't sound like, you know, they're in a grammar class. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, so, so I kind of worked on that and I made the language, you know, where, you know, maybe a little slang here or there, or, you know, where it sounds like, you know, you've actually got two teenagers that are sitting or talking or, you know, people that know each other well, you know, are going to let their guard down a little bit better or you know if you don't know each other it's gonna so that that was probably one of the tougher things that i had to adjust yeah i bet that would be difficult to do is to especially (laughs) the older and more separated you get from how teens talk the the more antiquated your language may seem to sound like you know where do these where do these kids live in like the 1980s or 90s it's like uh, (laughs) why do they talk different now (laughs) One of the things that I really enjoyed about Journey to MBA, not only being a personal, a very personal story from you that like I could relate to because I was with you during so much of that time, but also the fact that it sort of rings true of what we're doing right now in this podcast is the way that you talk very openly and very honestly about what's going on and what and what brought you to this point because you can't exactly connect like the dots in a linear sort of way to get you from A to B to getting your MBA. Nor would anyone really understand how those dots even work unless you have an open mind to understand that things don't always work A, B, C, D. You know, they have to work from this connection to this connection to that to that. And that's actually the beautiful part of life. And again, it's why are we here doing this podcast? We didn't plan Absolutely. on doing this, but here we are doing it and we're loving it. Yeah. And again, it's it's our attachment to each other. It's our attachment to our own personal creativity. And it's also this attachment to everybody that's listening right now. Every listener that we're grateful to have listening to this right now, we're now entering your ears and into your lives. And hopefully we're making something positive happen in your day. John, as always, fantastic catching up this week. Fantastic getting another episode out to all of our fans listening. And hopefully we get some new fans too listening. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was a lot of fun. Thanks for sharing all your stories with us. Hopefully it'll spark some creativity in your life. We appreciate Definitely. it very much. Definitely. We appreciate it. Gratitude to everybody for listening. Become a subscriber to The Gamango Show, Creative for Life, and visit the podcast site for more links and info. You can also visit the website of greenskinmango.com for our awesome streetwear, collective music, and comedy. Go be creative. Go be creative. Go be creative. Go be creative. Go be creative.